Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain and logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Josh Hunt, who's Development Manager at Blue Jay Solutions. And today we're going to talk about forming a partnership with your software as a service provider. Now, you know, sending out a request for proposal or RFP is what most companies do when they're looking for a, uh, you know, a technology solution. But what if instead of a request for a proposal, you sent out a request for partnership? As my friend Kate Vitasic from the University of, of Tennessee suggested, you know, some, some years ago, um, you know, it seems like companies are starting to move in that direction where instead of looking for a vendor of technology solutions, uh, they're actually looking for a partner, you know, someone that they're going to be able to work with and, and help them achieve their, their objectives. Um, but what factors are driving this change? Uh, you know, how do you go about establishing a strong, you know, partnership with a technology provider? And, um, you, you know, what are, you know, how does the software as a service model, for example, how does that align with this move toward creating partnerships? Well, that's some of the questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Josh in the program, you know, to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So, uh, Josh, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Adrian. I'm glad to be here. This is a topic that I've been very passionate over my career and really seen the, the values in developing a partnership uh, with a customer. Great. Yeah. You know, and it's something that I've been seeing more and more of, you know, in fact, over the past couple of years, I mean, I've, I've been hearing companies talk, you know, more about, you know, finding the right software partner, right. Instead of a vendor, uh, you know, so in other words, you know, when selecting a, a, a solution, it's not just about, you know, features and functions. It's also about how well can we work with this, you know, provider, you, you know, uh, to help us achieve our goals moving forward. Um, do you see this trend happening too? And yeah. Kind of from your perspective, I mean, what's driving it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we see it in, in our engagements with customers for sure. Um, if I speak, you know, when I spoke about this topic at Gartner earlier this year, I had you know, probably more so than ever folks coming up afterwards to me and, and saying, hey, we're engaging with someone here and I'm interested in, in how we embark on, on a partnership, an engagement, a different type of relationship, you know, whether they had coined that a partnership or not. but you know, how do we engage in that? I think it, it comes from uh, somewhat from a practical sense of some of these folks and customers have been around the block once on, on this sort of a, on a SaaS provider. I mean, we're, you know, here we're, we're 20 years into this, you know, in a SaaS model. And there have been some people that have been around the block once and said and, and learned from that and said the next time around, I think we need to really focus on that relationship part of, of getting a software provider. I think that that's one part of it. Um, I think that it's sort of an evolution of products as well as you see across lots of products. Like it starts to level out right feature function wise, as you mentioned, you know, that, that it starts to be going, if you look at like TMS, for example, feature function wise, you kind of have a lot of expectations of what those softwares do today. And there's a, there's a bar set there. And I think people are looking beyond that bar now to like, where can I get value? Our customers are looking at where I can get value. And we're looking at as providers, how do we provide value above just, you know, digitizing routing guides and rates and, and things like that. I mean, some of these software, right, we're down, you know, not just first level of feature functions, but third and fourth and fifth layers of this functionality. It's in there. And now how do we provide value up at this partnership level in a long term to stay engaged with our customers in the long term? Yeah, no, a lot of great points. I mean, I know when, when I've had conversations with companies around this point, 
um, you know, one of the things that they've brought up with me is the fact that, hey, you know, we know we've got our immediate needs, right? Whether it's a TMS or WMS, whatever application they're looking for. You know, we've got our immediate needs and, and you know, we, we, we need some functionality to address those needs. But we know, particularly in this market environment, that, you know, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, we're going to have a completely set of different needs that um, perhaps it's going to be, there's going to require some uh, additional innovation on the product, uh, on the part of the solution, or we're going to need help with, um, you know, trying to get the most out of the solution and trying to figure out how we can leverage a tool to maximize its value, so on and so forth. So they're saying, you know, we really need to be working with someone more from a long-term perspective that's going to, um, you know, as our needs change, are going to be able to, you know, line up with, with us and be able to support us, you know, in this more dynamic fashion. So, so that's what I'm hearing. Do, do you hear some of that yeah. as well? Yeah. And I think as you see, um, you know, if it goes, if I go along with that, that some of the trends right there with convergence, you know, it, you know, we talked uh, several years ago, we were talking about transportation convergence and, you know, bringing sort of all modes together on a platform and then really to supply chain convergence and, and everybody knew there were places that they needed to grow to and that they're going to be pushed to grow into. And they looked for a partner to say, who can sort of have be grow with me and, and sort of is almost be a, an organism, right? That can grow and react to the environment and, and, and do software functional enhancements to bring that on, uh, provide the network, you know, that's there to, to maximize the, the value. So, yeah, I think that's a, a very good point in they want someone that can grow with them because they know things are changing out there. And now I need to establish this relationship now. Right, right. Now, you, you brought up, you know, the kind of the software as a service, you know, models. I mean, relative to, you know, the traditional kind of in-house deployment uh, approach that was certainly much more common, you know, years and years ago. I mean, how, how does SaaS you know, help or, or facilitate this partnership uh, approach? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's right in the name somewhat, you know, software as a service. And we're looking at a service that, that we provide. I mean, this is, it's subscription based in most parts, right? I mean, it's a, you pay a, a monthly invoice. <laughs> That's something, you know, you're, you're putting, I'm putting my invoice in front of you every month for the service that I'm providing you. And this is something that you can choose to, to not go with anymore. Yeah, so there, there's, I think the SaaS providers are, are on the hook to provide that value month over month and year over year, where, where we have to sit in front of our customers and say, how are you providing me value for, for what I'm giving you? And I think that the SaaS model there plays, plays a big role in having that active relationship and showing the value uh, day over day. Yeah, no, that, that, you know, that, that, that's a good point because, I mean, I think that, um, you know, before historically – you know, it was almost like kind of a leap of faith, right? In in the old days, right? Where you, you would put in all this capital, you know, you might spend a million dollars on a license fee and then another million or two, right. you know, to deploy. And then so, but, you know, then you kick things off. And by that point, you've already spent $3 million. You're not really sure. yeah. knowing whether, you know, you're actually going to get the value from this or, you know, what kind of, you know, relationship this is, you know, going to be. Uh, where I think, you know, with this model, I certainly over the years, it's kind of been proven out you know, you, you kind of lower that, certainly the financial risk, uh, but also the success risk, right? Because I think, you know, if, if for some reason things are not going well, and it's not obviously, you know, that simple, it's just, you know, you pull the plug. Right. But, but at the end of the day, I think you, 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 to your point, 
I mean, you are paying those invoices monthly, um, you know, over time. And, and, you know, you do have to kind of prove your value every month, you know, if you will, and show that value every month, you know, to, um, you know, ultimately get the renewal, right? If you if yeah. want to continue to work with you. Yeah. And I, and I think it does drive as a natural sort of extension of that is to start to more talk about long-term goals with a partner. This is something I think is really key um, to this type of relationship is, is talking openly about your long-term goals, sharing your initiatives, whether they're in strictly in transportation or in supply chain in general, that the, the strain and the stresses that you're under, um, understanding those as on a long-term basis or your years out so that you can gain some alignment um, across, the, across the product and, and the customer. You know, I, I, I was going to hit on that a little bit with, with my next question, which is going to be, you know, what, what, so what's required to establish kind of a strong and effective partnership? Obviously, you know, when you talk about partnership, you should be going into it with a long-term, you know, perspective. I mean, how does the process begin? Or how do you know that you're, you know, setting a good foundation for a partnership? Yeah, and I do. It starts with the first engagement, right? And, and I think that starts in the sales cycle when you're reaching out to a customer and understanding. For me, that, that partnership comes um, by not so much, you know, selling a product, but talking to a customer about their issues and what they're confronted with and really getting in and, and understanding that. I mean, going to the level of, can I, can I sit and, and watch some of your folks work? Can I see what they're doing every day? I mean, we, we've got some examples of, of where we've done that with different initiatives, you know, and understand what your day-to-day -day stressors are, what your day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, pains are there. Um, and, then, and then it moves from a, from a sales cycle into, you know, you have a contract signed and then you, you embark, the rubber hits the road sort of with the implementation, uh, right? And, you, and where it becomes important to identify the right roles and responsibilities on that team, um, build trust. And I think this is really where a partnership is cemented, is, is in an implementation. This is, you know, in, in our case, we're looking at like a three to four month engagement, you know, high high level of engagement there and you're gaining trust amongst those teams. And it's something where if something sort of maybe bad happens during that implementation to the partnership it takes a while to heal, you know, so those, those are, and if good things happen, they do the opposite, you know? And so it's really the time during an implementation to cement that partnership and show that you have that, that type of, you know, uh, content there to really drive a partnership. And then you move really into what we were talking about a little bit before is, the long-term engagements, the top-to-top -top stuff, the understanding, uh, the initiatives and where your customer is going to, to, you know, alter your roadmap possibly to say, hey, if you guys are looking at this, we're also seeing that in the marketplace and maybe that's worth altering our roadmap to, to line up with you or vice versa. Uh, a customer saying, hey, our provider, our partner has this on their, their roadmap. This was an initiative we had out. Maybe do we change up that timeline a little bit and, and align with them because there's value in us being, you know, out there first and, and maybe a beta customer and, and making, ensuring you're getting the value out of those things. So I think it starts at that sales cycle, understanding issues, cementing it during the implementation with the right people and building the trust and, and delivering on the go live and sharing those initiatives and, and goals and objectives of the customer over the long term and as well as the provider sharing you know a product roadmap for instance you know on a regular basis and being very transparent with that you know all, all great points i mean going back to kind of the begins with the sales process i i know i was um you know at an event um uh, it was probably a year or so ago 
Um, and it was kind of a, a T, it was a, a customer that was talking about kind of their TMS evaluation process. And, you know, it, it took them over a year to select, you know, their, their partner. And so part of me initially was saying, gosh, a year, it shouldn't take that long to, you know, you're kind of leaving money on the table by just like delaying that process so long. But then once they told their story, I really understood what they were getting at because they said, you know what, once we got, you know, they, they went the traditional route of sending out the RFP. But then when they started having, to your point, these conversations with the different vendors, and then there was one in particular that, you know, and I, I you know, that was asking them the right questions that right. were challenging them in some cases, was telling them things that maybe they hadn't thought about. And, and then as they were thinking about their long-term goals, and then they were looking at, well, how effectively do we communicate with one another? How well are we working together just in this whole process of just trying to figure out who to work with? And, and it was kind of those people things and those communication right. aspects that really helped to t tilt the scales because they said at the end of the day, you know, when they got to their shortlist, and I think you mentioned this earlier, you know, there was, there was decent parity from a purely feature function standpoint. Right. Yeah, one vendor might have been stronger in this area. Another vendor might have been stronger in that other area. But the, really what tilted the scales was, hey, you know, we felt like we could work with this provider uh, through the implementation phase and then if there were any bumps in the road, we would, we would get through it together. And then yeah, I think even more importantly is as our business continues to evolve and as our needs continue to change, we felt comfortable that we can have good ongoing communication and trust with one another to make sure that where we are heading is aligned with where, you know, they want to go and, and where they're heading as well. And I thought that was, you know, yeah. uh, then I can understand why it took them a year <laughs> to select them because it well, wasn't, you know, they really gave some thought to it. Yeah, no, I, and I think you, you really hit on something there, Adrian, it, the, the challenging part of that, like challenging the customer with things. I mean, the, when I, the more and more I think about these partnerships, is they're not that different to, to friendships, you know, that you have in real life. You, you, you know, it, that's a two-way street, right? You, you, you challenge people, you have open and honest conversations about things. Um, and I, I think it's a good point, the challenging part, even up in the sales process where you might not think like, you know, hey, yeah, we can do that, we can do that. You know, I think it shows expertise and it shows a willing to engage and get down into the details and the nitty gritty of the issues to, to challenge folks. And, you know, how do you do that? Why do you do that? Um, you know, so I think that's a good point. The challenge part is, is important. Right, right. And I think that's what the companies are always looking for because they, they may go in with their own set of uh, biases or their you know, blinders on or they think they know what they want, but sometimes they don't know what they want. And I think what, what um, impresses a lot of companies is when, you know, someone comes in with a set of uh, a different perspective and, and is asking some really good, you know, insightful questions that gets them to think to say, oh, well, we hadn't thought about that or we don't know why we want to do it this way. You know, or we just thought that that was the way you had to do it, you know, type of thing. Um, you know, yeah, Adrian, if I could inject something there, if, we, if you go back to we talk about roles and responsibilities, you know, from uh, I think that's one role of a project sponsor is to sort of cultivate that attitude about it and say, let's be open to change here. Let's not, you know, automate the, the old and let's be open to change. And I think that's a, a, a real responsibility of a project sponsor to drive this partnership and cultivate the attitude that, that you're talking about there. No, that's a, that, that, that's a great, that's a great point. Rather than being, you know, completely prescriptive in terms of what you want it is, is, you know, going in with an, with an open mind to kind of, um, you know, get as much insights and, and ideas around innovation as, mm -hmm. as possible. You know, go, going back to kind of the software as a service, I mean, I know traditionally one of the, the concerns as, as with SaaS has been, you know, getting the features and functions that, that you need or want, 
you know, in a timely manner, if you're kind of using a single instance, you know, multi, you know, tenant solution, I mean, how, you know, how is this concern addressed by, you know, taking a partnership approach? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, if you think of a, a true SaaS, like multi-tenant system where you've got, you know, one version of software and everyone is logging on to that, that one version of software, it's like, yeah, if you have a, if you have a, you know, a sort of installed model, you're either maybe taking that in house and you have your own development team and they're developing features and functions that are maybe very specific to your, your business. Um, and, you know, how do you do that in a SaaS environment? How do you get on, on that product roadmap? I, I think um, it, it comes down to one thing. I think it is sharing that product roadmap and, and understanding that, talking about uh, your issues, your goals, your initiatives. And then it comes down to really, I think, if you talk about the software development lifecycle itself um, within SaaS, if um, we see the adoption of agile scrum development, and at the core of those types of agile methodologies, whether it be scrum or whatever it is, is stakeholder feedback. And, and so, you know, here we run a two week sprint. So we're developing software, we're working with the customer to understand issues. And in two weeks later, we're coming back to them to see how do you feel about what we just developed in the last two weeks. So one thing is we can't go wrong for too long, you know, and, and we're getting that feedback and we're engaging with that customer. And it's amazing that I see when a customer can, you know, Hey, I, I need this by this time. And when you start engaging them up front early in the development cycle and they feel like, and they do have a voice in that and you make them feel like they have a voice to change that or tweak that, that, uh, that piece of uh, software as it goes along is just a, a complete change in how software um, is done. I mean, we talked, Agile talked a lot about how to make, you know, teams more efficient and things like that. But the stakeholder involvement from the customer side of things, I think is overlooked a little bit and how that customer engages with those things. So whether or not your provider is, a, is an agile uh, shop or, or however they develop, I, I urge customers to say, how can I be a part of this development? How can I see what you're building along the way from the beginning when it's, when it's sketches on a, on a whiteboard or sketches on paper, I mean, literally, you know, talking about workflows and stuff to let me see a page, let me see the buttons, let me see what I'm clicking. And the, the type of feedback, the whole um, atmosphere of that feedback changes when you put something in front of somebody that they, they can look at and touch and feel. Um, it, it's really a, a fun environment to be in and develop software in. You know, that's, that's a great point. I mean, it goes back to, you know, this, this kind of the, the, the agile development, as you talked about in Scrum and, and, you know, getting the customer involved. I mean, it really does, um, if you're doing it right, you know, it does get the customer involved and engaged. And it's such a much more uh, continuous and rapid cycle, right, that, that, that you're operating in. I mean, if, I remember going back, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And, and you know, one of the things I would always hear from companies was, well, you know, you know, our, our vendor has a, you know, a, a portal that you, you submit your request and then it goes into some, you know, it goes into the ether and then they kind of rank it somehow. And then they, they kind of come back and say, well, your, your requested feature made the cut or it didn't get the cut or it's going to be in version, you know, it's going to be in the, the mid-year version or it's going to be in next year's version. So it's like, well, I, I can't wait six months or a year, you right. know, and then there's always the thing, well, you know, I'm a smaller company, so I'm never going to get the priority that a bigger company is going to have. So those, you know, those are the challenges with the, the traditional model, right? So I think you always had that uh, challenge there. And then, of course, if you ended up customizing your own thing, 
that created challenges with upgrades and yeah. integration. So I think you know, there's no perfect solution, but I think with the SaaS model, to your point, I think if you do it right and if you do it, if you're implementing this type of newer development scheme and it serves, it's almost serves as, a, as an excuse in a vehicle to have those ongoing conversations with the client, Absolutely. get those ongoing feedback, right? Yeah, it, no, it is. It's a, it's a requirement. You know, I mean, we, we look at our members on our team, we have our product owners within a, within an agile team and it's, it's, it's their job description, right? To, to get this feedback and help that drive the, the product. And if we're doing that sort of requirements gathering right up front, where I keep, you know, sort of drilling on this, but, but understanding the issue, those, when a, when a customer comes to you, maybe they, they know a solution, right? We all, we all know solutions. I would like a button on this page that does this. And what I want to ask is, you know, whether it's the five whys or however you go about gathering the, the issue behind that or the requirements behind it, it's amazing how those issues start to line up across customers and across the market. Though I can compare issues to issues, right? And I can say that issue looks like this issue and the solution probably solves all of those. Um, so, so that's really breaking that down to the, the common denominator of the issue there, I think is, is, a, is an important skill from say a product owner or part of that agile team. Great. Now, can you, I mean, we, we talked about this partnership. I mean, can, can you share some, you know, examples of kind of the, the partnership approach in, in practice or kind of what the, some of the, the benefits are or the outcomes are? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, probably the first one that comes to mind is uh, a few years ago, uh, we brought our private fleet module um, into the TMS. And, and this was something that, you know, we said, okay, we, we, we know what a private fleet needs or we, we think we know and what kind of uh, functions and features they would like. And what we did is we reached out to some of our customers on the network and said, we know you have a private fleet. You have, you have a large private fleet, you know, your, your five, 600 trucks in your fleet to someone who has 40 fleets in their, uh, 40 trucks in their fleet because they ended up being quite different use cases. We, you know, we reached out to those folks and, and because we, we had those, those partnerships there to be able to do that, we could say, hey, can I come sit with your dispatcher for two days and understand how, you know, we sat with customers and saw how they used a whiteboard to track all their trucks. And, and you're like, we might be able to do that in, in software. Let me show you something. Give me two weeks. Let me show you this. And, you know, we came back and said, oh, yeah, but it, it's, it's missing this. And, 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 and that's, that's another story, right, how you develop it. But having that partnership up front to be able to have, just be able to get in the door and say, sure, because you've delivered in the past and you've had this open, honest conversation with me about where you're going with things. But if, you know, if we're in the fleet module, we come back and we, we deliver one piece of that fleet that we think is your biggest, you know, pain, uh, whatever that is. And it's, it's maybe, you know, you know, planning your fleet, optimizing it. Well, we have an optimization model. Let's get drivers and trucks in there and show you that. And, and we had that customer come on site, show them what we had, and they gave us feedback right away. And, and we were able to pivot on that, you know, without losing too much time or effort there right over two weeks and get this right and solve a pain for them like right out of the gate within the first month or so. And, and, and Agile says, right, too, like I can put that software out to production. Um, it's fully qualified software at that point. So that partnership showed us how we could really engage at this Agile software development um, level. But having that, that partnership to get in the door and the opportunities to learn from those customers and a proven track record of responding and, and showing, you know, uh, you know results 
from our engagements was 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 key to that. And, and that was not just one or two customers. You know, it's half a dozen customers where we're seeing across fleet sizes um, and and what their their pains are from a driver's perspective. I mean, we could talk to drivers. That's not possible if you don't if you don't have these engaging partnerships um, from the from the very start in the sales process. Right. And I think what, what strikes me is it ultimately it's a win-win, right? It, it's a win for the customer because they're, they're able to provide their input and they're able to get, um, you know, the, uh, the, the capabilities and the functionality they want. And, and it's a win for you guys because I think you mentioned this earlier, you, you know, you, you think you might know what the customer wants, but you might be surprised by these conversations, right? So oh, yeah. it prevents you from going down the wrong path uh, and developing something that's not aligned with the needs of, of of your customers and in, in, in the market. Um, you know, so I think ultimately it, you know, if, if it's working right, it, it becomes a win-win for, you know, for, for both parties. Right. And, uh, I, and I, I, I think that's the definition of a partnership, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If it's a true partnership it all, everything you do ultimately turns into a, uh, into a win-win. Well, Josh, we're running short on time here. So I'm just going to go right to my last question here. Sure. I mean, as a way to wrap up, I mean, if a company is sending a different type of RFP, right, a request for partnership instead of a request for proposal, I mean, what should they include in it? I mean, what, what are some of the, the capabilities or attributes, you know, that they should look for in a prospective partner? Yeah, first of all, I, I love this idea. When I, I first saw it, it was the first I had, I had seen of it, and when I read it, I'm like, man, that's, that's fantastic. I, I want to Cred- do this. Credit goes to, not me, credit goes yeah. to Kate Vitasic, because I, I, <laughs> when I saw it, when I read that too, I, I loved it too. So I've been... Uh, I've been uh, uh, sharing it as much as I can. So, yeah, I, I need to, I need to, I need to touch on that. But I think, I think first of all, I would make it an essay format. Um, I, I, I would make it. You know, we've talked here today a little bit about a partnership being a friendship, uh, and, and there's a lot of sort of things that that are common in between those two, and and those are things that that are are best explained through discussions uh, and not yes or no questions or drop down. Uh, choices in, a, in an RFP. So I, I think that for, first of all, it's a, it's an essay format and, it, and it's, you know, give me plenty of room to, to explain um, what a partnership means to me. And I think um, if I took away the, the biggest thing about understanding a partnership, I think is really the strategic alignment uh, between the, between the two customers. And I, I think I would ask those, those providers, like, how do you align strategically with your customers over the long term because i think that's really at at the core of this how are we establish a long-term relationship and how do you do that you know what are those points um, and how do they align with the values and the vision of our company Uh, and i think those are qualities that you need to look for um, in your provider but i think ultimately in the middle of all that is um, the, the strategic alignment between the two customers understanding how that provider does that yeah, you know, and I see this both whether it's from the technology side of things or even a logistics service provider. One of the things that, um, you know, I hear a lot of with, with those successful partnerships has been there's, there's an alignment of culture, right? Yeah. So there's that people aspect of it, right? We both have a, a culture where we are, you know, whether it's an innovative culture, a continuous improvement culture, whether it might be Lean or Six Sigma based on that, yep. uh, you know, our culture where we're, um, again, at the end of the day, you know, our people speak the same language. We all are marching kind of to the same beat. And I think that's where, you know, that's another foundational aspect of, of really, um, you know, creating an, an environment that's going to be successful, you know, for creating those win-win, you know, partnerships. Well, you know, Josh, we're, we're out of time, but again, as always, I want to thank you for, 
uh, you know, ma making time to be on the program. I, I always say we always just manage to scratch the surface on these topics, but, but I think this is a, a very timely and, and uh, important topic, and I think you shared some great uh, food for thought and advice, so thank you. Great. Thank you, Adrian. Appreciate it. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you are watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the Blue Jay Solutions website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for uh, Josh, you can post it there. I'm sure he'll be you know, more than happy to respond via that medium. So again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.